If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. You could bring home the bacon, but why stop there? When you shop with Jewel Osco for you, you can bring home the entire breakfast. The bacon, the eggs, the pancakes, and more. You can bring home great rewards, personalized deals, and points to redeem on groceries. You can even bring home a free treat on your birthday. Sounds like we're going to need a bigger frying pan. Become a free Jewel Osco for you member today. No purchase necessary. Download the Jewel Osco deals and delivery app and feed your joy. Visit jewelosco.com slash for you for program details. Hello, everybody. I'm Ed Robinson. And on behalf of everyone at The Robinson Show, I'd like to wish you and yours a very safe, a happy, a blessed, and a prosperous Happy New Year. Enjoy this best of show featuring NFL cheerleader Javon Davis and Mushami Robinson, who is an Olympic track and field athlete. Again, on behalf of everyone at The Robinson Show, enjoy this best of show and wish you and yours a very happy new year. Whatever you're funny, Peacock's got it exclusively. Stream classic sitcoms like The Office, Parks and Recreation, and Two and a Half Men. Plus, catch Peacock original comedies like AP Bio and Stay by the Bell. For all your exclusive comedy faves, go to PeacockTV.com and get started. You never want to put all your eggs in one basket. But what if that basket is really, really big? With Randall's For You, you get a huge basket, big enough for personalized deals on things you like to buy and even a free treat on your birthday. You can earn rewards on nearly all purchases and redeem them for things like free groceries and discounts on gas. So go ahead and put all your eggs in one basket. Become a free Randall's For You member today. No purchase necessary. Download the Randall's Deals and Delivery app and feed your joy. Visit randalls.com slash for you for program details. It's the classic dilemma at Whataburger. You pick up your all-time favorite patty melt with two fresh all-beef patties, melted Monterey Jack cheese, grilled onions, and creamy pepper sauce. And just when you're about to dig into Whataburger's take on this delicious all-time classic, someone utters the dreaded words. Can I have a bite? Should you? Shouldn't you? Maybe you should just take a big bite so you don't have to answer. Ooh, glad that dilemma's over. The Whataburger patty melt, just like you like it. Get 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 it. Goodwill Find, you give your whole town a reason to celebrate because you're also funding local job training and placement programs in tech, healthcare, and more. Goodwill. Bring good home. (sighs) 
the only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Now enjoy a hot and spicy McChicken biscuit or sausage biscuit with hash browns for just $2. Price and participation may vary, cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Is Whataburger's Honey Barbecue Chicken Strip Sandwich a work of art? The three chicken strips covered in melted Monterey Jack cheese are a study in contrasts and surprise. And the honey barbecue sauce, while at first unexpected, becomes a sweet delight to the senses. Plus, there's the two thick slices of Texas toast that are the canvas for this tasteful creation. And you can eat it. How about that for a masterpiece you can really bite into? The Honey Barbecue Chicken Strip Sandwich at Whataburger. Just like you like it. Is Whataburger's Honey Barbecue Chicken Strip Sandwich a work of art? The three chicken strips covered in melted Monterey Jack cheese are a study in contrasts and surprise. And the honey barbecue sauce, while at first unexpected, becomes a sweet delight to the senses. Plus, there's the two thick slices of Texas toast that are the canvas for this tasteful creation. And you can eat it. How about that for a masterpiece you can really bite into? The Honey Barbecue Chicken Strip Sandwich at Whataburger. Just like you like it. Now through January 6th, join a clean and spacious Planet Fitness for zero enrollment and only $10 a month. With tons of equipment and free fitness training, it's the perfect place for everybody to work out. Even me, mister, I'm so stressed I grind my teeth more than most people grind coffee. Especially you. Give your anxiety-clenched jaw a rest. My molars will be so happy. Start feeling spectacular today. Join in club or at planetfitness.com. Zero enrollment, $10 a month, cancel anytime. Deal ends January 6th. D-Club for details. Everybody, welcome back to the program. Indeed, go Saints all the way. And, of course, that's a song that's honoring the NFL's New Orleans Saints. And on the program now, we'd like to welcome someone that knows the ins and outs of being an NFL cheerleader. She is a member of the New Orleans Saints cheerleading squad, affectionately known as the Saints-Sations. Let's welcome her to the program, Javon Davis. Hello, Javon. How's everything? Hi, I'm good. I'm excited to be here, and thank you for the invite. You're welcome. Thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to be on the program. So let's get right to it, Javon. Being an NFL cheerleader is a lot of hard work, and a lot of people don't understand the ins and outs of it. But before we talk more about that, how did you become a sensation? That is an awesome question. Um, I've been dancing since I was very little. So I've always wanted to become a professional dancer. Um, but as you might know, I'm also a chemist and a business owner. So um, juggling everything was extremely difficult. But what's so awesome about being an NFL cheerleader is that all of us are professionals in our careers and professional dancers. So it was just a really good, perfect fit for the stage of my life and everything that I want to accomplish um, I found out about it, and actually through a friend who's already on the team, and I was really nervous, and she said, no, go for it. I think you'd be awesome for it, and I went for it, and here I am now, and I'm, I'm loving it. 
Rightfully so. I, I, I'm uh, going through your bio. You have an extensive resume. You received professional training not only in ballet but also in modern dance at the New Orleans Center for Creative Arts. Also, some very prestigious organizations with uh, the New Orleans Ballet Association, the Debbie Allen Dance Company, the Boston Conservatory, and the Texas Ballet Theater, just to name a few. Do you think that training helped you to become? an NFL cheerleader, or, or are are they worlds apart? That is a great question, and thank you for that. Um, it definitely prepared me. Uh, we actually do um, a lot of technical skills, um, learning choreography extremely fast, becoming extremely flexible and fit. I mean, all of that goes into being a cheerleader, and I'm glad that you mentioned that a lot of people don't realize how hard it is because I think – uh, you know, just with the sequins and makeup and hair, it kind of looks like it's easy, but we practice really, really hard. Um, and even when we're not practicing, we're still practicing. As a matter of fact, after this, I'm headed to practice with some of my friends to prepare for a practice <laughs> tomorrow. So um, all of those dance styles definitely help, um, you know, ballet and modern are definitely the fundamentals of all dance styles. So it's important to have a good knowledge of that so you can just build on it and become a well-rounded dancer. I want to ask you about the auditioning process to be a member of the Sensations. I know being, you know, in the world of cheerleading and dancing, it's very competitive and it's so many ladies and, and some men that audition for these type of squads, but there's only a few spots. What was, right. Do you remember what the, what the auditioning process was like? Oh, definitely. And I don't know if people know this, but we also have to audition every year. So even though you may have secured your spot the first year, you still have to audition every time after that. Um, so it is extremely competitive. Um, this year was super different because of COVID. Typically, it'll last about a week or two, but this season's audition process, my goodness, I think it was a good three months long. It was really, really long and intense. Um, we learned sideline routines. We learned two dance styles. We learned across-the-floor combinations. Um, it, was, it was really intense. So the first chunk of routines we learned, we submitted via video. That was the first cut. Uh, then we submitted more things. That was another cut. We submitted solos. That was another cut. We have to do uh, um, interviews. We have to do an NFL test where we have to know about um, all of the players, all of the teams in the NFL, the different divisions, things in the organization, in the Saints organization, like different names that they char and whomever. So uh, we really go through a lot and a lot of cuts before they make their final selection. So even beyond dance, I mean, you have to make it past the interview. You have to make it past, you know, an NFL test, and, and it's a lot of work. It's definitely a lot of work and very competitive. Wow, that's interesting. I, I've never heard that before. In order to you audition every year to be a part of a, of a squad such as the Saint Stations, and then you, they test you on NFL knowledge. That's a I learned something new. I was yeah. not aware of that. But uh, let's let's kind of get into the the dancing process. We know that New Orleans is a city that's full of flavor and it's very rich on arts and culture. And you 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 talk, of course, dancing is a part of what you've done for so many years and what you continue to do as a member of the Saint Stations. Are there any New Orleans element? Well, I know, of course, there's some. There's a lot of New Orleans elements.
limits, but your coach, does your coach or do you or any members of the squad take on any New Orleans-style dances and incorporate it into routines for, for the home games? Yeah, I love that question. And, yes, so I'm a New Orleans native, um, so born and raised here. You know, I went to college out of the state, but definitely love New Orleans so much. So we do incorporate a lot of that. Um, We have different sideline routines, two specific New Orleans songs. For example, every time we win, um, we go back on the field and we do a routine by a song uh, called Casanova, which if you're from New Orleans, you already know what that song is. It's a really fun second line song. You might hear it at the end of weddings or, um, you know, parties, and we have a whole routine based on that. So we have about four staples uh, with the St. Satans that we use every year, and they are specifically choreographed to New Orleans theme songs. Even um, more so than that, we have something called a pregame routine where before every game, the St. Satans will come out on their own, They'll do like a four to five minute long routine, which is really tough because we utilize the entire field. So it's a lot of uh, traveling and uh, jumping. But we um, we incorporate uh, a bunch of New Orleans mixes of songs that reference New Orleans. So that's something really fun that we do at the very beginning to pump up the crowd. And then, like I said, we close out with Casanova. But every time we score a touchdown or a field goal or anything, you know, we have a New Orleans song that we're dancing to. So it's very fun. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Let's stay with New Orleans dancing for a moment. Just there's um, a lot of artists that are very iconic with the city. Of course, there's Big Frida and there's DJ Jubilee that are mm-hmm. part of the subgenre of rap music called Bounce. Do, has uh, have you have you guys incorporated Frida or maybe Jubilee into any of the routines as far as with the MCN? situation in a, in a typical routine? Yes, we did. So um, we did two dances last season, um, one called Ball, which was a mashup, and then another song called My Type. And we incorporated some bounce songs in there, too. And, of course, that was our favorite part in the mix. So our coach is extremely, extremely talented in mixing songs. Like, honestly, she – can mix some of the best songs I've ever heard in my dance career. So she will mix in a lot of bounce songs, a lot of New Orleans songs to add some nice flavor, which is really cool. Even for our pregame, she'll ask us New Orleans songs that we're familiar with to incorporate that in like a pregame song or things like that. So, you know, she really does a good job making sure she incorporates some songs. And I think year by year, they're adding more and more to the library, which is, which is really nice. Awesome to hear. Now let's move along now to what's a typical week like in uh, in preparation leading up to game day? Oh, man, uh, that's a really good question. Uh, a lot of water. <laughs> so uh, water is extremely important because, uh, you know, you have to stay hydrated for the game. What people may not realize is that we get there really early. So if a game doesn't start until like 1, 1 we will have to get there like around 7 um, practicing. So even leading up to that week, we know, you know, that that's going to be a really long and intense day. So we are hydrating a lot, stretching regularly. We have scheduled practices two days a week, um, but then we'll have an extra practice closer to the game called our field day practice where we go into the the inside stadium and we mark positions and go over everything full out again. Um 
yeah, a lot of making sure you're watching what you're eating because uh, it all directly affects how you'll perform on uh, game day. Even small things like just making sure your bag is packed. We pack all of our uniforms at one time, so we have a bunch of uniforms that we can change into, and we always make a, a, a wardrobe change towards the second half of the game. But we bring everything. So you have to make sure you have your palms, your uh, practice palms. We have, like, maybe three or four different pairs of shoes. We have to make sure all of that is packed. Um, but it's a lot. I mean, and like I said, even practicing out to make sure you feel comfortable. One thing about performing is the the better you prepare, the the best it'll look. Um, so as long as you're preparing and you feel, um, you know, you feel ready on game day, then by the time you're performing on game day, it'll look amazing. There's a lot that goes into it. Yeah, I can imagine that. How often do you and, and the members of the squad devote time to strength and conditioning? Because I know on some NFL cheerleading squads, there's a certain amount of time that they devote to uh, strength and conditioning and cardio and the whole nine yards. And you mentioned about uh, practices take place uh, two days a week. So how much time is devoted to the strength and conditioning aspect of it? I love these questions. Um, So... When we first joined the team in the summer, we have an intense boot camp. Uh, So we are doing a lot of running, a lot of conditioning. We have fitness workshops. We have a nutritionist that we meet with to give us uh, some realistic goals, making sure, you know, we're eating right um, and just at our best, really. Uh, And even throughout the season, we're practicing, and practices last like four to five hours per practice where before we even start, there's a a long stretch process, we work out, um, and then we, you know, go over routines or our learning routines. I remember um, I was was interested in getting, well, first I didn't find a purpose for an Apple Watch before I joined the team, and a lot of my friends on the team said, no, it's a good idea, and I got it. And, you know, we would measure over 1,000 calories per practice. So, I mean, we are really getting it in for that time. And that doesn't even include, like I said, field practice. And God only knows how many calories we burn uh, come game day. You know, like I said, we'll get there like 6.37 in the morning. The game is at one something, and we may not leave until like 5, right? And we're like dancing the whole time. So we definitely have to make sure we're conditioned and even outside of practice just uh, exercising on our own. I know some girls have a personal trainer, uh, some girls and guys to, uh, you know, they work out on their own or they follow uh, routines on YouTube or things like that just to keep up with everything. And it's kind of different now with COVID. You have to be more creative, but we are definitely being creative and making sure we stay in shape. Rightfully so. And, and, again, you guys have been one of the premier cheerleading squads in the league for a long time. Now, I want to say let's talk game day. We know play, the players and the coaches, they are tense, and look, they, they're, always, they, they're ready to storm the field on game day. What's a game day like for you and the, the rest of the Saints-Sations? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so this may sound cliche, but it is so true. The Saints have the best fans in the NFL. You can feel everyone's excitement on game day before you even enter the dome. I mean, we just have greeters who are excited about the game. So that's first of all. Um, 
you know, with because we get to rotate uh, different end zones throughout the field, we have like four or five lines and we always rotate. We familiarize ourselves with the fans in the audience. So we're able to make friends with the fans in the audience. They are familiar with our face, we're in our names, we're smiling and performing for them. It's so much fun. And you described something that's one of my favorite parts on game day when uh, we call it player intro. And that's a whole routine in itself when, we, when the players run out. Um, it's so much fun. So uh, after we do our pregame show, we run off the field to the other side where the Saints come in, and we kind of wait under this uh, overhang. And then the Saints come, the Saints players come in behind us, and of course they're riled up and excited, and you can feel their excitement. You can hear the fans, and then all of a sudden the lights go out, and then we run out with um, I can't think of the name, but there are these machines that blow smoke, so we run through that and get in our positions, and then every time a Saints player comes out, we have uh, a certain routine that we do for them to present them, and you can feel the excitement. I mean, it's it's just indescribable. It's amazing, but that's one of my favorite parts, the thing that you uh, talked about. We call it clear intro. Awesome to hear. Now, we know that the NFL is built upon tradition and owners and families mm-hmm. having a, a unique a unique connection to the organizations. I know you've only been a sensation for a short period of time, and I know you didn't have the opportunity to meet Tom Benson, but ha- have you had an opportunity to meet Gail Benson and the rest of the Benson family, have some type of interaction with them? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so we do things outside of game days called appearances. And appearance are when uh, the Saints organization will book us for an event throughout the city, which I love to do also. So two times I got to meet uh, Gail Benson. One time uh, it was at one event, a Hall of Fame event, and then another event was actually a um, community service event. And both times she was just so classy and nice and sweet. Um, even Drew Brees, I remember uh, it was a, it's a funny story. Um, his kids will come a lot of times and like eat. So there's a cafeteria in front of the indoor facility. And a lot of times his kids and his wife will be there, um, you know, probably coming from school and just, you know, stopping by to say, Hey, or things like that. And I remember uh, Drew Brees was practicing, of course, uh, cause we were about to take the field practicing and being an amazing leader. And I remember uh, one of his kids lost the shoe and <laughs> he was coming to us asking, if we could help him find the shoe or, like, you know, if you see a shoe, let him know. He introduced himself to all of us. Uh, his wife did as well. I mean, you can tell that the Saints organization is a family, and everyone is really, really nice. So, yeah, definitely Gail Benson is a sweetheart. And uh, the interactions that we've always had with Drew Brees is always super professional, super nice, very, very caring. You mentioned about the New Orleans Saints fans being uh, some of the best in the National Football League. You've got uh, diehard fan bases in Philadelphia, Chicago, New York City, Green Bay, Pittsburgh, and uh, Dallas, just to name a few. But what makes New Orleans fans so unique from any other fans in the league? You know what I think? I think it's from a cultural standpoint. So we're in the South, and I think from a hospitality standpoint, love on each other a lot. 
Um, and definitely after Katrina happened, I think New Orleans just wanted something to unite us and feel as one, and that definitely took our fan base to an entirely different level. Um, but it's just so in, enveloped in the culture. Like, we'll even wear Saints jerseys to Mardi Gras parades or even to Pelicans games. Um, we just really love the team. We love the coach. And we even see that the teammates adopt our culture. It's, it's just a family, and I think it just speaks to how amazing New Orleans is, and, and that's why I love this city so much. When we have, when I think about NFL cheerleaders, I think about the Raider Rets. I also think about the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. There's the flight crew with the New York Jets, and, you know, there's a ton of other uh, cheerleading crews, but what, what sets the Saints stations apart from those other cheerleading squads? You know, what I would say is that we are, um, and not taking away from any of the other teams, but what I can speak for our organization is that we are super intelligent and professional. Um, all of us have amazing careers and really just feed off of each other, and we're really and truly a family. Um, and that's something that attracted me to specifically the same stations. I know that our fan base is awesome. I know that the organization is a family, and it definitely feels like a family, and it feels like, you know, they care about us and have our backs, and they want to hear what we have to say about all sorts of things and want to incorporate us into things all the time. Um, but I also love that everyone on the team is a professional in their own right and and very intelligent and and passionate about other things. And I think sometimes there's, you know, a bad misconception about NFL cheerleaders, but I think we do an exceptional job at dispelling that because we are all heavily involved in the community or at our jobs or exceeding in careers. We have someone um, in medical school on our team. We have someone who just retired who uh, is finishing up law school. So we have some really amazing men and women on this team who care about New Orleans and care about, you know, their professional lives and are holistically just overall good people who are also amazingly talented dancers. And I think that's what I find so different about the same station. That's wonderful to hear. I want to ask you about, um, you know, we hear a lot of, at times, uh, horror stories about NFL, former NFL cheerleaders, and that yeah. the pay was not the best and the treatment was horrible. And I know you're, you know, you don't have to dispel this information if you want to, but if, if you're not, if you're contractually obligated, you don't have to do so. But I want to ask you just, um, what's yeah. the pay like as being a member of the Saint Stations? Not just in terms of you and the rest of your squad cheering on game day, but more importantly with personal appearances and endorsements and things of that nature. Yeah, man. So what I will say, another thing that really separates us from other teams is that we get paid for everything. Now we aren't getting paid like the uh, NFL players. You know, <laughs> I, I wish we were because we do so much, and I think there's always room, um, you know, to get paid more. But what I will say is every time we put on that uniform, we get paid. Um, Every time we have a group practice, we get paid. Every time we have to go to the dome super early to prepare for the game, we get paid for that entire day. And that is a huge blessing because I know a lot of teams don't have that. And, um, yeah, that's another reason why I chose to be on Saint Stations. I, I definitely did extensive research, and I found that uh, the Saints organization really 
has our backs and are open to things all the time and really want to make sure we're treated fairly. And I really do appreciate that. And it's unfortunate that some other teams have different experiences. Um, you know, but but thank God, you know, this particular team cares and wants to fairly pay us every time we put on the uniform because we do a lot of work. So whether it be appearances or just at our group practices, you know, we get paid for all of that, which is really nice. Good to hear. Good to hear that you're, uh, the organization is taking really good care of you guys. Now, now, speaking of, you're currently doing your thing in the athletic world, but even more importantly, you are highly educated. You've earned, you earned your master's degree in business administration and MBA from Tulane University's Freeman School of Business, and you're in a bachelor's degree in chemistry from Southern Methodist University. And after graduation, it says you worked as a cosmetic chemist for a top chemical manufacturing company, so you definitely have your credentials. And also, you're an entrepreneur. You have a company called Van Cosmetics. Tell the listeners out there a little bit about your business. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so, yeah, so I've always wanted to be a cosmetic chemist. And what's funny is I started off only dancing, and then I found out about cosmetic uh, chemistry, and then I tried to merge the two worlds together, which, thank God, it all worked out. But, uh, yes, I have a company called Vine Cosmetics. We do hair care, skin care, male grooming products, and then I also do custom formulas. So I work with companies around the country. I work with small businesses, um, even a lot of stay-at-home mom and dads who have a, a passion for starting some type of cosmetic line, uh, whether it be hair care or skin care, and then I help them with their formula. Uh, help their uh, business and get them in contact with a manufacturer so they can create it in bulk. And I love it. It makes it, it allows me to be very creative and, um, you know, use my other side of my brain and um, just help other people start business. It's really important, which is why I'm also passionate about teaching uh, business classes as well. So I try to encourage as many people as possible to go into business for themselves or at least find, you know, what they're passionate about so they can have another stream of income, which is very important, especially in a, a pandemic, right? <laughs> yeah, indeed, it is important to have your own business. Pan pandemic, no pandemic, it's important to have that right. other stream of streams of income. I want to stay with your company, Van Cosmetics. Now, again, it says that you worked as a cosmetic chemist briefly. How does how does your um, your college education how how does how does your college education fit into what you do with your with your own company? Just in terms of what is it like with testing formulas or um, coming up with with mm -hmm. concepts to develop your products? Yeah, so uh, my chemistry degree is definitely the foundation of what I do now. Um, so when I was in college, cosmetic science wasn't really a clear path as much as it is now. It's kind of a new path that people have created. So I had to be very creative and figure out even how to get to, uh, you know, this point now. But, um, you know, it's all chemistry. So a lot of people had never even heard of that side of the industry. So the people who make, you know, your hair care products, your toothpaste, your deodorants, um, you know, whatever you shampoo your body with or body wash, all of those people are scientists who work in a lab and create these products for you. You know, they have to go through testing and regulation, making sure preservative, preservatives are right, uh, your formula stabilized. So definitely chemistry just gave me the confidence and knowledge to go into that path. And then, um, you know, luckily I was already in Dallas because of SMU, so I was able to work with some really heavy hitters, um, 
in the cosmetic industry and learned a lot about formulas. And then I got promoted to sales and moved to California. And then I was over like 300 accounts. And a lot of people were encouraging me to make formulas for them anyway um, because it allowed me to sell them more ingredients from my company. And then, uh, well, not my personal company. You know, if, if these people are trusting me <laughs> to create these formulas, then maybe I should look into that. And then I said, you know what, let me get my MBA, got my MBA, started my company, my own company simultaneously. And then I said, okay, that all of that is set. So now I have time to really pursue dance and, and add that on too. And that's how Sensations came about. Awesome. I'm uh, I'm looking at the products here for Van Cosmetics, and this is really as you put on your website and what you discussed. It's all natural with uh, hair care, skin care, and apparel. Who decides? Do you decide what what ingredients go into some of the products? I'm looking here. You have a, a such as a calming aftershave lotion. There's a cooling mint mm-hmm. beard wash. There's also hair hydrating rich hair cream, and there's also a coconut curl defining cream and other types of products who decides which product do you decide which products go goes into i mean what ingredients goes into these products yeah i do so what i found was that um because i had well it's a term called going natural and it's something um that african-american women say when they decide to grow out a relaxer and just want to wear their hair naturally curly and it really was a decision uh, rooted in dance, when I started studying, you know, Elvin Ailey and the Debbie Allen Dance Company, I was just so enamored with the black dancers wearing their natural curls, and I said, you know, I want to go after that. So, you know, figuring out who makes these products, I found that a lot of people who make these products, you know, for my hair type and texture didn't look like me. So then I thought, well, how do they know what I need and what I don't need? You know, who's testing these products? Who's signing this off? And that's how the company came about. And, yeah, I did a lot of refiguring out what, you know, would be a better ingredient to choose from versus, a, you know, a cheaper route. Uh, I just had a conversation with a potential co- account the other day, and I told her, um, you know, the idea of all natural or something causing cancer, sometimes those could be buzzwords. But what I love to say is that maybe you can de- decide a better ingredient than something else. So instead of mineral oil, that's kind of like a cheaper ingredient, you can say, you know, instead of that, I might use, you know, coconut oil or extra virgin olive oil or even glycerin. That's really good. You know, that'll be a little more nourishing for my curls versus, you know, a cheaper oil, but nothing necessarily causing, you know, cancer or anything like that. So that's, that kind of was my approach when formulating these products. But yeah, everything uh, that's on that website came from my brain and I did extensive research on what I wanted in it, what I didn't want in it. And, uh, you know, that was the final result. Awesome. And again, again, your products are great. Now you have products available, not just for women, but also men as well. And that's wonderful. Again, you have hair care, skin care, and also you have apparel as well. So that's wonderful what you're doing. And again, uh, Javon, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on the program. You're welcome anytime. So before we let you go, tell everybody where they can find you on social media, whether it be your handlings as well as, as, as well as Van Cosmetics and any websites, let them know that as well. Yeah, thank you so much. And before I go, I just want to say thank you so much for the invite. Um, I'm definitely honored and appreciative. You did extensive research, and all of your questions were amazing, so I really appreciate it. Thank but, you. Um, thank you so much. Yeah. 
my name is Javon Davis, so it's spelled G-A-V as in Victor, A-N-N-E, last name Davis, and that is the Instagram handle, Twitter handle, uh, Facebook handle. Uh, my company is Von Cosmetics, V-A-N-N, just like my name, but V-A-N-N, Cosmetics, and um, all of that is the same for Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook as well. The website is www.vonncosmetics.com, V-A-N-N, cosmetics.com, and we're actually updating the website, so it'll have a new look in probably a day or two. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, thank you so much. And, again, that's Vaughn. I stand corrected. Vaughncosmetics.com. Oh. Check, her, check, her check her company out on the web. Again, it's Vaughncosmetics.com. And also check out uh, Javon Davis on the various free, uh, social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, and also uh, Facebook, wherever she's available. So, again, you heard it from her. She is Javon Davis. She is a member of the NFL's New Orleans, New Orleans Saints cheerleading squad, known as the Saintations, and giving us uh, – her 411 and on her entrepreneurial endeavor, endeavors and uh, Bond Cosmetics. Check it out. Devon, thank you so much. And if ever you want to come back on, feel free to let us know. Definitely. I'd love to. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you again for taking time out of your busy schedule. We'll be back with more right after this. Get 30% shorter average wait time. When you buy and book your appointment at DiscountTire.com, you can get 30% shorter average wait time in the store. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. You never want to put all your eggs in one basket. But what if that basket is really, really big? With Acme for You, you get a huge basket. Big enough for personalized deals on things you like to buy and even a free treat on your birthday. You can earn rewards on nearly all purchases and redeem them for things like free groceries and discounts on gas. So go ahead and put all your eggs in one basket. Become a free Acme for You member today. No purchase necessary. Download the Acme Deals and Delivery app and feed your joy. Visit acmemarkets.com slash for you for program details. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. This is what high blood pressure looks like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. I can't button up a shirt. I can't run. I've had to learn to swallow again. That's the only more minutes that I have. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. Had I done this, had I done that, hell, I messed up. Get back on your plan or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhpp.org. I had to tell everything's changed. You could bring home the bacon, but why stop there? When you shop with Shaw's for you, you can bring home the entire breakfast. The bacon, the eggs, the pancakes, and more. You can bring home great rewards, personalized deals, and points to redeem on groceries and gas. You can even bring home a free treat on your birthday. Sounds like we're going to need a bigger frying pan. Become a free Shaw's for you member today. No purchase necessary. Download the Shaw's Deals and Delivery app and feed your joy. 
Visit Shaw's.com slash for you for program details. You never want to put all your eggs in one basket. But what if that basket is really, really big? With Shaw's for you, you get a huge basket, big enough for personalized deals on things you like to buy and even a free treat on your birthday. You can earn rewards on nearly all purchases and redeem them for things like free groceries and discounts on gas. So go ahead and put all your eggs in one basket. Become a free Shaw's for you member today. No purchase necessary. Download the Shaw's deals and delivery app and feed your joy. Visit Shaw's.com slash for you for program details. Seven iconic housewives from four different cities. Look at this water. We're going to give them something to talk about. Vacation at Turks and Caicos. The party now. The Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip. All episodes streaming now, only on Peacock. All right, everybody, welcome back to the program. Now it's time to bring in, bring bring on the guest. She was a four-year letter winner as a member of the University of Texas track and field team, and she was also also won an Olympic gold medal as a member of the 4x400-meter relay team at the 2004 Summer Olympics in Athens, Greece. We're going to talk to her about her athletic career and also what she's doing in the world of education and in the fight for social justice. Let's welcome her to the program, Mushami Robinson. Hello, Mushami. How's everything? Hello, great evening, peace. How are you? Can you hear me well? I can hear you loud and clear. Can you hear me loud and well, loud and clear? Yes, sir. Yes, I can. Thank you. That was beautiful. Thank you for having me. No problem. Thank you for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to be on the program. So uh, let's get right to it. You're, uh, you had an esteemed career in Austin, Texas, at the University of Texas as a member of that track and field program, not just uh, Texas is really big on sports and football and, and track and field. They've really churned out a lot of talent throughout the years at that esteemed institution. Again, you were a four-year letter winner from 2000 to 2003, and during your time there, I'm looking at it here, you won 12 conference titles. You were a 12-time <laughs> All-American, and you also helped the Longhorns win um, the 4x400-meter relay national title three times. So uh, you had a lot. You did a lot during your time at Austin. Just tell me, um, what was your experience like in, uh, during your time with the Longhorns? Mm, I appreciate that that history. Uh, to hear that back, you know, you don't, when you're living in it, you don't realize what all you kind of get accomplished and you know, to even con- conceptualize all that. It was an absolute amazing time to just even have an opportunity to go to an institution where I can receive a college education and do a sport I love. So just being grateful for that opportunity, you know, going down to the University of Texas in an institution where the women's program was separate from the men. So, you know, they really took care of, you know, all of the athletes, particularly that our program was separated. So, you know, being that I had the support of an institution like, you know, the University of Texas and, you know, the academics were one of the things that were most important to me, you know, it really set a good foundation. You know, the level of excellence that was expected, um, you rose to the occasion. So I think a lot of what I was able to do had to do with the people that I surrounded myself with um, at the institution, those that supported, even through the trials and tribulations of what athletes just go through um, being on the team. So I give a lot of credit to um, the University of Texas Athletic Department, the university itself, um, the growth that Texas is, and everything that, you know, it says what happens there changes the world. And, you know, when I chose to go there, I just felt warm on my visit. Um, I knew it was a place that I can grow. And so I was just blessed to be able to give back and share my gifts with the university um, once I, you know, joined. So that was a great thing for me. 
We're going to uh, touch more on uh, your educational pursuits in just one moment. I want to stay a little bit more on the athletic side. Again, I mentioned that uh, uh, UT, um, the, the track and field program, has really been esteemed for a long time. During your time with the Longhorns, one of your teammates was uh, Sonia Richards-Ross. Just kind of tell me some of the things that you uh, picked up from her during during your time when you guys were uh, teammates and uh, during your time in uh, in Austin. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Many, you were one of the few people who um, really asked about my relationship with Sonya, and uh, and I know her, Tanya. I've always called her that. She was like a little sister. Um, she was a freshman um, when I was a senior there. And so it was a very interesting dynamic to see such a young talent, um, me coming from Ohio and to see her coming from Florida, um, into a space ready to be excellent. Like, that was exciting for me. Um, and so – you know, one thing that was so great about our relationship, and even today, um, we're very close, and, you know, what I love about her is she came in respecting what had been done before her. Um, and so when we trained, we trained together. And I just remember when we got to Paris and we both made the world championship team, um, it was in a time prior to the world championship team, I hurt myself um, um, during pen relays, prior uh, before pen relays, and so you know, um, it came down to whether or not I was going to be a part of one of the relays. And Sonia and Raisin came and asked me um, if I would join them. And they knew that they would be the only people I would show up for. And I just thought that, you know, the way our relationship grew and the level of respect that she showed to all of us and the training and the way iron sharpens iron, people will never know what those training days were like. People will never know what those locker room conversations were. The beauty of relationship and what happens on a collegiate athletic team of any kind um, is definitely something very powerful. And so, you know, to see the growth of all of our careers, you know, after Texas and all the wonderful things that she's doing now, you know, I'm always sending her a thumbs up. You know, she's always letting me know and reminding me, you know, what I was to her. So, you know, that's something personal and private that I've always respected about her. And, uh, you know, I honor her for how she respected the space that she came into. So it was actually a fantastic relationship. Indeed it is. You know, you said it best, iron sharpens iron. You know, when you, you know, you're among the best, you have to compete with the best, and it definitely brings the competition, definitely brings the best out of all of us, and definitely you know, thank you for sharing that with uh, during your time at uh, UT with Sonia. So you transitioned um, nicely um, into your professional athletic career, but I want to ask you as far as your educational background, where did you, um, where did you earn your degrees in at uh, University of Texas? Uh, so, you know, it's it's cool that you asked that because when I think about all that you said I accomplished there, you know, that was the way I thought about the education I was going to receive. So, you know, I set out on a journey to do um, international um, business. I wanted to, I thought I wanted to do um, international stockbroking because I'd done an internship with uh, Merrill Lynch, you know, all while I was in high school. So I was all about money, making it quick, and I thought that was cool. That's I guess that's why I love running track. I'm like, I can control my entire destiny with my feet. That's amazing. And so um, what I decided after my uh, freshman year, that probably first semester, and I realized the demands of track and field, um, my counselor, um, Tina Klein, she really had a conversation with me about having this opportunity to go in the direction that I wanted to and what I really thought I wanted to do um, with my platform, with track and field, with life, what I thought I was good at. And so um, I led into corporate communication and psychology. 
um, what we discovered my sophomore year is that it was going to take me um, about 20 credit hours more than the rest of the entire team to complete both of the degrees because it would require a dual degree program. And so, you know, we had a real conversation about what that looked like and that I admittedly would be taking, you know, 18 hours, you know, some semesters. Um, I just had to commit to not do it during the um, racing season. And so that's what I set out on and that's what I accomplished. So I was able to get two degrees in four and a half years and two full degrees. Um, So I had to graduate with 144 hours. It's amazing what three more hours adds up to. But um, I have a degree in corporate communication and a degree in psychology with a concentration in child and reasoning and thinking. So I I was able to um, milk the cow, too, (laughs) I guess. I was going to go for that. Yeah, you did. You did. Congratulations to you on earning those degrees right there. What did you further? Have you furthered your education? Have you earned uh, continuing, but uh, post secondary education, earning a master's or a PhD or mm. not yet? Or are you planning to do that in the future? I'm glad that you asked that. So I just um, through the USOPC, the United States Olympic Program, I'm taking advantage of um, the Bride Taylor of Business, and I just started my master's program for a uh, master's in business with a concentration in entrepreneurship. Um, but prior to that, um, no, I had not. And you know, I raced professionally for about 15 years, um, up until about 2017 and 2016. And when I went into the education space, the one thing I've really come to know is I appreciate everything that I was able to learn in college. And when you go to college, you know, you don't just learn the subject matter or the content that you decide to study. You know, you really grow in life in that space. And what I've learned in a decade of teaching is that experience. And in those 15 years of racing uh, all over the world is that experience is priceless. You know, I, I would be the person to say that, You know, when I start a company, I'm going to really take a look at the person who has experience in a space, you know, that have organically dealt with the human being in a space that, you know, I want to dive into or that I'm thinking about because that really matters. And I think um, there's not enough credit given to when people have experiences. So I'm just blessed to be able to have taken these undergraduate degrees in the subject matter that I did, combined them with the perspective I was able to gain in my different space of professional track and field, now teaching in the eighth largest school district in the nation, and to be able to bring that together to say, hey, I have a nonprofit that I'm going to be building, and here's where my level of focus is. So it's not just about really another piece of paper, but really in a direction that's concentrated in how I can serve God's people and us in the world better. Rightfully so. That that's that's a wonderful explanation that you had given. Uh, thank you so much. I want to stay with your education, the degrees, your undergraduate degrees that you earned at Texas, and again, it's with uh, corporate communications and psychology. We know that sports is not just a physical thing, but more than anything, it's a mental thing. You can <laughs> be prepared, and you can come in physically, or you can have the best body and be the fastest, and you can have all the all your um, ducks in a row. But man, the human mind is really um, a fast fascinating thing it gives the, the song by the ghetto mm. boys your mind can really play tricks on you did your psychology degree really help you in the um well i should say your, your um you study in the field of psychology did it help you in your collegiate career and take it into your professional track and field career you know that's an interesting question if in that you have those two separate time frames at the time that i was learning it my 
entire scope in being on the Texas Women's Track Program was just about being excellent, right, and how I can just be the best. So it was about getting that corporate communications degree, getting my psychology degree, being the best I could in the classroom, and just being the best on the track and trying to manage all that. And so I don't know if I was necessarily applying the content I was learning um, so much at the time as I was building the relationships that I was learning that was important through those two subjects. That's probably the best I can say about the collegiate space. Um, But as I definitely, you know, grew um, professionally, I was able to use the two together more than I thought I would, you know, in learning the right things to communicate about, um, but also the timing and the delivery. You know, the corporate communication taught me the things to be speaking about, you know, the level of focus, how to scope the conversation, and the psychology teaches you how do you relate to individuals, you know, how can you be in that intrinsic space and be heard thinking about the mind, thinking about all of our differences and being accepting in that space and understanding that we are all different and to appreciate that and knowing that the brain is neuroplastic and it can always grow and change. All right, fair enough. So now let's transition on to your athletic career. You definitely uh, had had an esteemed career. You competed in a lot of races. One thing I want to – First and foremost, the Olympics. You uh, congratulations! You won an Olympic gold medal as a member of the four by four hundred meter relay team at the two thousand and four Summer Olympics in Athens, Greece. I've had several Olympic track and field athletes on my program, and um, one you're going to know very well, uh, Lauren Williams. I've had her on my show a couple of times, and I asked her this question, and I'll ask you this question. I've always the the Olympics is like a global party. It's like the whole world is watching. <laughs> what is it like when you get on that track and you are running and knowing that the whole world is like watching you and the the best athletes out out there in the world performing and doing their thing? Yeah, this is this is exactly how I describe this moment. As I'm waiting on the baton and we're in lane one, and I was the second leg in the prelim round, you know, and it's one thing when I walked out there to take my spot, you know, I can see everything. I can see every detail. Yes, my heart was pounding. The energy is strong. But one thing is for certain, being in a USA uniform, you know that you win. You're only out there to win. So that, that was understood, and that's at any time. So you already come to the space prepare to be excellent and to take on the win. So I just remember as I'm waiting on the baton, when she does give it to me, you know, for everything I thought I might experience, all I remember seeing, because there were so many cameras and so many people, is just a white oval of light because that's how many cameras were flashing. I didn't see any figures anymore once I took the baton. And, you know, people say, oh, you were running that fast. I'm like, maybe so, but that's what I saw. And I remember everyone was streaming USA so very loud that the only thing I could hear is my breathing. And I try to describe it to people like when you're in a loud concert and you can only hear yourself because it's so loud. That's exactly the sound, and that was all I saw until I passed the baton off to Monique Henderson, and that's when I could see images again. And that moment was such pandemonium that was, you know, a beautiful experience that I, I can't even think I would have had, and I just am so grateful. But that's exactly what that was like. Yeah, let's stay with your your teammates for a moment during that year in Athens. Mm-hmm. You mentioned uh, Monique Henderson and also your other teammates, Didi Trotter. Of course, you reunited with reunited with your teammate at Texas, Sonia Richards Ross, and of course Monique Hennigan. Any um, moments or any memories uh, that you have during that Olympic experience with your teammates? 
even that 2000 leading up into the trials, um, once, you know, once you make the team, is you're, you're built. I think we, USA Track and Field, we are such a connected family. And we all set out, when we go to trials, we all set out to know what we're trying to do. And it's a world team, an Olympic team, a Pan Am team. And 2004 was very special. You know, it was, we were returning back to the 100th anniversary where it began. And that was a unique team of legends and a unique team of new babies. You know, Alice and Felix were on that team. Jeremiah Pop, we had everyone on that team. And we understood what we were all there to do. And so Monique Hennigan, who stepped up and had um, a great showing at trials, and then Sanya, you know, being young and uh, a sophomore year in college coming out, and me representing Texas straight out of college, and, you know, Monique Henderson representing UCLA and a fabulous of institution that was. And then we had Edie. It's like you, we had the cream of the crop young, we had old, we had veteran, we had new and coming in, and as a team collectively, you know, with the training and even everybody who was staying ready to be in wait to prep, the beauty of knowing what we're all there to do and put those uniforms on is it's like a sisterhood and a family that when you experience it, if you've ever been a part of sports, a part of a team, you know, people know what that feels like. And even you don't even have to be a part of a sport. When you're with a group of people and you set a goal to obtain and you know what everyone's role is and you're checking in and you're, you know, you're committed to each other and you know you'll pick up the slack and you're having honest conversation, you know, some beautiful things can happen and that's exactly what happened in Athens and that's the relationship that we all built with each other while you're out there, you know, miles away, taking care of each other, you know, in the village, you know, traveling, you know, 40 40 or so minutes away on the bus and, you know, seeing different things and just being well taken care of by Team USA. So it was uh, a beautiful experience in the relationship that we build when you're going through something like an Olympic experience, particularly on a relay team. Yeah, it looked like a a wonderful experience. And as you mentioned, that was the the 100th anniversary of the Olympics in Athens. So definitely it it looked like a very special occasion. And I know the track and field in the United States is a special occasion, but it's extremely special when um, in Mm. other countries like Jamaica, the Bahamas, England, oh, I'm sorry, Great Britain and, you know, Australia. And we know it's no secret that the United States have had a, have had a rivalry for a long time with Jamaica and the Bahamas. Was there any type of uh, jawjacking going on during that um, period of time, during your time when you were uh, in Athens for those for the, the 04 Olympics? <laughs> I think it's really cool that, you know, a lot of us, um, because of the NCAA system and track and field, which is, you know, the NCAA system is an amazing space of development um, for the sport of track and field um, in the Olympic space, and uh, that's a grateful space. So, you know, a lot of us are in school with one another, and then we go and we make um, our teams as we get older professionally. And so you you take that same energy. You know, we didn't all have on the same uniforms in college, and then even those of us that did have on the same uniforms that made their team, you know, there's something about patriotism. And, you know, it's 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 some things can go unsaid. You know, there's always a look, particularly with women, particularly with women athletes I love. You know, there can be a lot not said, said with a look, right? And so, yeah, jaw jacking looks a little different with movement, with the warm-up, you know, how you move in the warm-up space when all of the first leg is in the same space with spikes on warming up, um, you know, your stance. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a lot of um, a lot of that energy. But, it's, like I said, you know, iron sharpens iron, and it really makes you know 
say, you got to come out here and perform. It's not about not being ready, you know. If you're not, because um, it's go time. And one thing we did know, uh, particularly during the time I ran on Team USA, um, and Jamaica respected and we respected them, but uh, we were going for the win. And we were going to win. And I believe um, the time that we lost to the Americas team um, at the World Cup, and it was back in Athens, Greece in 2006, you know, we had a real conversation. Um, Sonia had doubled um, in a 200, and it was a lot on her legs to run the 4x4. And whether or not she had been on the 4x4, I think collectively as a team, you know, I think that was the first time we as America um, saw, as North America, saw all of the islands, um, come together and make a real all-star team. We're like, okay. And, you know, from that point on, you know, we really kind of honed in on what that 4x4 is, um, particularly for Team USA always. And that, you know, when we go out there to end the meet, we need to be signing, selling it, delivering it. And if we can deliver it with a record, let's do that. So, you know, that energy, I think, has continued on um, setting, setting that in place. Yeah, you know, I've been watching track and field for so long, man. It's just like it's always the United States, it's always Jamaica, it's always the Bahamas, mm-hmm. and then you can also put Great Britain in there and uh, Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our, neighbor, our neighbors to the north, Canada, they've produced a lot of great talent for uh, quite some time. So let's stay with the Olympic experience for a moment. I've asked a couple of athletes this. You can comment on this if you want to or not, but what's the um, environment and the atmosphere like in the in the Olympic Village? It's unique, um, and I think I can definitely say each game probably has its own. Um, the U.S. team at that particular time went soon after 2003. You know, we had just, um, I think, went into conflict with Iraq. So we were very heavily guarded. And the, where they had the U.S. team sit, we were kind of off in our own, like, little nook, um, guarded by our military. So no one was allowed to come back into our space. We had to come out to visit with people, um, which was unique. Um, but the village itself has everything. You know, it has a, a barber shop, a salon, a, a dance hall, a dentistry. It's a, it's a town, a town of every single country, of every single, single human being that's great at their sport. And, you know, that's a unique space we don't always find ourselves in either. So it, it's it's electrifying to be around so many different people. And it's not just track, right? It's every single sport in the summer games. So, yeah, it's an experience that you have to have, an experience that is like no other. It sounds like a global Mardi Gras, in other words, when you mentioned you said it was a dance hall <laughs> and uh, a barbershop and beauty salon. I mean, it definitely sounds like it de- indeed was a, a global party, like you said, an experience unlike any other. Let's stay with the village for a moment. I won't name any names, but there is a corporate sponsor that has dealt with the Olympic Games for a long time, and um, they specialize in food. And they're worldwide. They're not just nationwide. They're worldwide. And I wanted to know, did you partake in this uh, restaurant's delicacies during your time at the Village, or did they have many dining options available? So I was going to say about the dining, right? The beauty of the beauty of the Village is that we get to experience everyone's and all the global eateries. So personal choice and making good choices is important that you teach your athletes <laughs> because it is definitely something when you have this these delectable options. So I can say that I was very strict about my diet. Um, I was strict about what I was there to do. And so because I had choices, I was able to eat 
the proper things. But I can tell you, when I was done, I indulged, I indulged, I indulged, and it was open 24 hours all the time. I probably ate more potatoes and patties ever before. (laughs) I wouldn't do that now because I'm vegan, but at the time, yes, I fully indulged as soon as I was done racing, all in. And so were a lot of others <laughs> during the time, after the time, before the time. Could not tell on anyone. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, def- you definitely uh, made the most out of your time in the village. And um, definitely it's an experience unlike any other. So also, not only did you win an Olympic gold medal, you also placed gold as well in the uh, 2003 Pan American Games as uh, a member of the women's 4 by 400 meter relay team. You reunited with your Olympic teammate, Dee Dee Trotter. You also added some other names to, the, to this list, uh, Julian Clay and also a lady that I had on a previous show, uh, uh, Melissa Barber, uh, Melissa Barber, I I beg your pardon. Just uh, tell me a little bit of what that experience was like in uh, Santo Domingo. Well, you know, that was one of my first times really in a Caribbean or tropical area experience and only maybe my second one with Team USA out of the country prior to the World Games in Paris. Um, The only other time was the World University Games in China. So to speak to those young ladies that you just spoke of, we saw ourselves together in China when we made the World University Games team in 2001. So it was unique for us to see each other again older two years later um, on the Pan Am team. And, um, man, a beautiful place, you know, to be out of college, having come from the University of Texas, being in the United States, but to be able to travel And early on in life, see other cultures, other people, um, learn to respect space and laws, learn about the real saying, when in Rome, you know, do as the Romans do, and, you know, to experience culture and taste different foods. I'll say this. This is the one takeaway that we always talk about, even to this day, about Santa Domingo. We ate mangoes. I've never had mangoes that tasted the way they tasted. And that's just, that taste, they're the best. And for probably two or three days, I think I, that was all I consumed because I never tasted a mango that tasted so great. So I had it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I didn't even want anything else. And so, you know, it was cool to just even have that cultural experience and then to, you know, do it with young ladies that you traveled out of the country with already. That was something that you, I don't take for granted. You know, it made it a little more comfortable to move around in the city to, you know, want to explore, to just feel you know, able to experience more feeling safe with in numbers with people who you've already traveled outside the country who know how to respect space that, you know, respect culture. It makes it really awesome. Indeed, sounded like an awesome experience. I want to stay with uh, Santo Domingo and, of course, your the Olympics, the Olympic experience you had in Athens. Can you kind of give me the differences between those two cities? Mm, oh, yeah. So very... So Pan Am, you know, Santo Domingo, very intimate, smaller island, um, culturally, um, cultural focus is different in terms of eating times, just um, the focus on timing, you know, completely different part of the, you know, hemisphere, but a very intimate space. And then, you you know, the Pan Am Games are um, a different set of people uh, or athletes in who we're representing. So, you're getting a different type of culture altogether in terms of that part of the globe, whereas the Olympic space, you're getting the entire globe. So there's a level of intimacy and connectivity that's a little different when you get into the Pan-American game space that's different from the Olympic global space. Um, That's really unique and special, Um, the group of people and athletes that 
compete in the Pan Am Games. Um, it's an experience that, you know, um, I can say, yeah, I think the best what I can say is a little more intimate um, in terms of culture and the way you experience it and the, how you see it. And then when you get on the global space, you see so many more um, differently and in the same or maybe drastically different, but you can definitely, you get an opportunity to make a life comparison in a competition space of what that's like. So, you know, where there are some who don't get to experience that Pan Am game space. Okay, sweet. Let's stay with track and field for a moment. You know, the one of the benefits that you mentioned about your track and field career is the tra- is the traveling and being with your teammates and sharing those uh those sharing those wonderful experiences, but from the one of the few things that I've talked to a lot of track and field athletes about is pay and salaries and and finishes and, and and getting endorsements and things of that nature. There's so many athletes that compete, but there's only so few endorsements. How were you able to you know make make a living at that time as a professional track and field athlete? Were you did you supplement your income with working another job? Did you have endorsements or maybe speaking engagements? How were you? How did you do it? Well, for me, coming out of college, you know, right out of college, knowing that I wanted to continue on racing and I was going to, you know, my parents, what they did is they were the real reason that I received an Olympic gold medal for Team USA because it was Linda and Harold Bozeman that said that they would pay my rent from the time I decided to go to North Carolina and train with Dan Pass to the time that I was there and became a pro athlete before my contract. And they paid my rent up until the Olympic Games because after the Games, you know, that's when, you know, endorsements came in. So I have to first credit my parents' support. And that $650 was everything because I figured the rest out. You know, I, I don't even, you know, quite recall. I know from college I already had a mindset of the things that I wanted to do. So, let you know, let's just say I already had a little savings. And then when I got to North Carolina, graduation money, things that I set aside and really poured into my training. And gratefully, I had a good support system. So I wasn't paying for a whole lot in terms of coaching fees and things like that. So, you know, the sacrifices, a lot of sacrifices were made there. And once I won gold medal, you know, we get our grant, um, the money that we received from the Olympic Games, which, you know, make no mistake, it's not, it's not anything that's you know, you don't really necessarily run home and tell anybody about it, but what I did do is I took my um, money, the earnings from there, I paid any debt that I had from college, and I gave both my parents uh, $2,500 apiece for them to spend how they wanted, and then I set up from the rest, and then shortly after, you know, I received a Nike contract. And However, that is a very unique space, and you do need to have um, a contract, and I was able to supplement the money I made with my contract with the actual money I made on the track. And having have a medal, you know, I had agents who can ask for appearance fees. So I'm able to ask for appearance fees, make the money from actually the competition itself, as well as couple it with the money I had for a shoe contract. You know, I think there's a misconception in people believing that everyone gets, you know, the six-figure salary. And I was the athlete that, you know, was always forced, um, not making six figures, you know, only making five. And, you know, I would always wonder and think about how could it be different. And, yes, you know, athletes that have to work or supplement it, it's going to be difficult, and they still make it amazingly. You know, people would never know that the very athletes that you watch win gold medals or, you know, at the Olympic Games just left, you know, maybe having an eviction put on their home. And I think that's what's important that, you know, 
I know we're going to talk about that later, but I think that's why I really, you know, focused on have athletes having a voice because when we look at the revenue, it's not always there. And I know athletes do it for the love, but, you know, for everything that an athlete brings to the table and to the brands and to the sponsors and who we are as people, you know, I think there's a little more revenue, a lot more revenue, let me be honest, can really be poured into what I call our ministry, you know, and our gifts that we've been blessed with as human beings. And we'll see even greater um, out of each and every one of us. So I think that's why I got into more of advocacy. So I'm glad that you asked me that question because it is definitely different. Thank you. Yeah, it, it definitely, it, 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 indeed, it is different. I think people should be rewarded for their hard work. It, it has to be an, an, e, an equal playing field. And, you know, it, it has to be, you know, okay, you being an athlete and you bring a lot of things to the table and you should be compensated for that. I think you should have the right to be paid and to be compensated properly for the, the what you bring to the table. You know, it's a give and take type of situation. You exchange your time, you exchange your time and your talents for money and you, you definitely earn that. You should be uh, paid for that. I want to stay with um, just endorsements and just how um, pay, the you know, the pay scale works in track and field. Again, I don't want to get too in your business or anything like that. I know there's a, there's the big races in the states, like there's pen relays, there's the prefontaines, there's the Olympic trials, and uh, Drake relays, and there's a, some other big races as well. But I know overseas track and field is just uh, it's prime real estate over there. I want to ask you: Do you prefer racing overseas, or do you prefer racing? in the states in ter- in terms of a financial uh terms from a financial standpoint. Hmm, I, you know what I think that not I think I know that one we should definitely have a professional circuit for track and field in the United States of America. We should to have to make a living in the sport of track and field, no American athlete should have to go to race in Europe if they don't want to to make a substantial living to be able to sustain a household or family for what they want. Um because we have the resources, we have the sponsorship, and we definitely have the market and the athletes. Um, I think, you know, athletes go where they have to to make the money, and we should really be more expansive. And I think that, you know, USA Track and Field is, you know, has been working hard to get into that space. Um, I just know for me and for my sport, it's been a long time coming. You know, I've said for years, we've all raced, we've all run. Everybody had field days in fifth grade fourth grade like everybody gets that field day. everybody does like the broad jump with the rope you know um so it's something that we can all sit down on a saturday you know from march to june and just in america watch a, amazing athletes race that we've seen in the ncaa space you know so now our kids have things to aspire to you know you see the kid that was in your running high school track at your state meet in new jersey or florida or you know wyoming and now you see that same child or same young person or same adult at Olympic trials or trials, and now you see it on TV, and you see professionalism, and you see teams that represent different states of athletes who are racing for the country. And you know that's what they're sharpening themselves for. So, you know, I think that that's, that's a market that's needed. Um, the one thing we do know is that, the track and field athletes that represent USA, whether you're a thrower, a jumper, a distance athlete, um, a sprinter, a hurdler, is definitely someone who represents a unique, diverse space. And when we come together and represent Team USA, we represent well and the best we can. And I think that 
you know, it definitely the sport of track and field in the athletes I've seen for over, man, since 20, 2001. So we're going on 18 years where there can be more revenue poured into a space that has given so much to the Olympic movement in totality, um, particularly for the USA track and field athletes. So I'm looking forward to, you know, that space opening up differently, um, particularly as we bring sport back differently and how we can look at racing on the virtual space and in person. So it's time okay, for that. So if, yeah, all, all, yeah thank, thank you for explaining that. I want to, um, if anyone wanted to, if someone came to you and said, uh, you know, uh, I would love to be a professional track and field athlete, how would you what would your advice be to someone that would like to be in the sport and to to do it professionally so with the way our sport and the way track and field has been set up and with the way um international in the international space, which is why there's so many athletes working hard to have athlete voice, you know there would have been a time where I would have said, "Hey, you know what, you go get your coach, you go train, you know you show up at these meets, you run this time, and there you go." Maybe not so much now, you know. Yes, definitely be prepared to train, but there are marks and times that you definitely need to be prepared to hit. And when it comes to making the Olympic team, there's a world ranking system that has been set up that doesn't necessarily bode well for the U.S. athlete because they're in the point system. We don't have as many opportunities to race in the United States. And, again, there are people that are growing the space um, in USA track and field and working hard to get in that space. So what I would tell someone now is to, if they're wanting to make a team and definitely if they were wanting to make an Olympic, the one that has been postponed till this year, your training is started yesterday, right? And be serious about it because the way you would make it now is you need to be top three, and you need to make the qualifying time, but you need to make the qualifying time in order to get into the trial. So there's like a two-step process. you got to get to have races that are sanctioned, so they need to be sanctioned under USA Track and Field, meaning if you go race at that race, you can accept it, and it can be accepted at the USA Track and Field time. And once you get that qualifying mark, you sign up, and the field size is going to fill up. So if they're only taking 32 men for the 100 meters, let your time be in that top 32, and there you go. And then race to the top. I mean, it's it's there for you to do. Um, I don't want any – people don't have to think that you have to have a sponsor because let me say, my parents sacrificed the money and my body did the rest. My sponsors didn't come until a year and a half after the medal. And so I just want, you know, anyone to know that it is possible. But understand there are times to focus on, and there are some critical things that you just have to make those marks to do, and it can be done. You know, they're fast times, but it can be done. You know, they're high marks, but it can be done. And if that's something that anyone wants to go do, be serious about it. Get online, see where races are, see where sanctioned meets are. No one trials is. Have your money ready, times, and show up and be prepared. So I'm glad that you asked because it is possible. Um, but just know it's not something that you can just walk into and say, hey, I just, I just want to do this. There's the work and the commitment and the discipline and research. So you do find yourself at the right, the right meet to be able to qualify and have your time stand and represent yourself. Awesome. Thank you for explaining that and being detailed about that. You mentioned about uh, the Olympics being postponed until um, this current year right here, Tokyo. Um, still a lot of questions about what's going to go on with Tokyo, but as of now, the, the Olympics are still planning to uh, be held. you planning on uh, trying to make a, a spot on the team? It's, um, I'm glad you asked. So I'm currently 
I'm currently um, working on and have come back um, to train. Um, in 2017, I'm working on building a nonprofit, and the reason I'm coming back to race and racing for another goal is for this particular reason. I taught high school, and in 2017, I had a student um, who committed suicide during the hurricane here in Florida. And I, as a high school teacher, what I do know um, at the time as a high school teacher, um, a lot of students were going through so many different things. And I created a space in my classroom where the students can come in and I let them talk about anything they wanted and nothing was off limits. Um, and I gave it a name. And so after my student, um, after Jasmine passed, my students came to me and asked if I would make that a club for the entire school, and at the time when I asked the principal, um, they didn't allow me to. They said it was a lot of liability. I said, you know, I'm willing to take it. I've taken it on for seven and a half years in my classroom um, in terms of our young people and giving them a space to feel safe in. So um, prior to um, burying her, what I decided I was sitting in my living room and I was watching Shark Tank, to be honest with you, and I really was torn about not being able to bring this club and this space to more students. And the universe spoke to me, and I said, how can I make this nationwide and put it in every school district because they need it? And he said, you know, get a mic in your face again. And I said, well, how can I get a mic in my face again? And he said, run again. And I'm like, okay. And then he said, win again. And so, you know, I had some very clear instructions, and I have been transitioning and coming back and training and rebuilding um, completely vegan diet for that reason. And so I'm preparing to be there. I'm preparing to show up at trials, make the team, and I strongly believe they're going to do everything they need to do to have it ready, particularly being in Tokyo and Japan, um, having the time to postpone and really take a look at things and allowing, you know, finding out what's safe, you know, sports continuing on and being able to watch other sports and how things are done and have examples, I think that they're really going to bring that to fruition because I think it's something, honestly, the world needs to see, and I think it can be done and we can do it safely. Yeah, it could be done too. I mean, it just I think they're going to have to implement a, a sim like a, a bubble like atmosphere mm-hmm. with, the, in, with the NBA the previous year. I think that would be perfect. I mean, of course, things have currently changed. Nothing is open right now, so it would be different from Olympic years. But nevertheless, it's great that you still um, have your career and you've, you've gotten back to you know resuming your track and field career after this. so uh, that tragic loss that happened to one of your uh, one of your students right there. But um, you mentioned students and education. That's what I want to get into next. Uh, uh, the field of education is something that you're passionate about. Correct me if I'm wrong. You earned a um, you you were a double degree in corporate communications and psychology, and what, your mm-hmm. concentration was in child. What was it again? Child psych as well as reasoning, thinking and reasoning. Okay, thank you. Child, uh, child, psych, uh, child psych as well as reasoning and thinking. Now, you've taught mm-hmm. elementary and you've taught high school as well. What, <laughs> how do, again, how does the, uh, those, those concentrations uh, fall into the mix in what you do as a teacher? Well, when I came into teaching, um, I started out as a substitute, and I thought, you know, I'm not going to always have people wanting my autograph when I get off a plane. That's not going to happen here in America. So as I got to the latter part of my career, I thought about what can I do in my life that can give me, um, ease me back into being a quote-unquote, what they call it, like a regular life or not being an athlete, but keep me grounded and keep me safe, you know, and kids are safe. So I'm like, you know, I don't think I was ready to tackle the world just yet. And so I found myself substitute teaching and falling in love with teaching and 
an opportunity came to teach at the high school, and I created a yoga program for Orange County Public Schools that's now still here in the state of Florida that any school, any high school can pick up, and now middle schools and elementary schools um, also teach parts of the yoga program. And uh, so that's what I taught for high school. And, you know, what I learned and took from my degrees, because how I became a, a teacher, I really just took the test and um, got the certificates. Uh, but I think the degrees have helped me understand particularly, again, how to communicate the timing in my delivery, no matter the age group. And to be around young people, to know that communication is so important and to have a that young people felt comfortable communicating. The one thing I learned from our children is that, you know, we have to make a safe environment for our children to come talk to us as parents, as family members, um, so they will talk to us and be honest and not feel judged or afraid or feel that they're going to be attacked by asking a question because many of them just have a question, um, have not, don't think about, but are curious about the things that they're seeing. And, you know, I think we take for granted a lot of times with our children and with young people that they are experiencing life in their space, and that is their whole world. And we have to sometimes slow down, not sometimes slow down. We definitely need to slow down and tap into our children and give them that time to really respond to things that are going on and ask honest questions and, you know, be reflective with them um, as opposed to be judgmental or hold a space for judgment while we, you know, figure out what our kids need from us. And so, I was able to bring that into the classroom, which allowed me to provide that space on Fridays where the kids can talk about anything they wanted to and get things off the chest before we went into the weekend. Wow, that's very deep right there. I want to piggy, uh, kind of just continue on the field of education. Uh, I'll, you know, uh, my my parents were my parents are uh, a big influence in my life, but I think teachers really outside of, of the family, outside of the immediate household, really are the true heroes because teachers really provide mm. that state, that, that, that wonderful space, and they provide that comfort and that sense of security. That's why ever since I was, a, you know, very, very small, I've just been such an advocate for um, teachers and the power of education. What are some of um, the benefits that you get from being an educator? Because I know we know that um, sometimes uh, educators get a bad rap that education is um, the, the, the salaries are not the best, but um you know, the, but the good teachers, the great teachers out there that are really making a difference in the lives of the young ones, what are the benefits that you get from being an educator? Um, at this point, because when you're right, let me speak on the salaries. And, I, and I, because I have a platform and I decided to be a teacher, and I've been doing it now for 10 years, as teachers um, definitely need to be paid like everyone in the federal government. Every politician, every U.S. rep and senator, a teacher should get those salaries. And as an educator, I say that for this reason right here. Um, what I now am blessed to be an educator and do is to know that I can change the world by the seeds I plant in these young children and these young people. So that's what I get now. But what I do know is that education is so underappreciated in our country in terms of how it affects what we see in the world. We all came through school. And what I just had a conversation about earlier today on a Zoom call is that what I know is those of us who were able to be successful or overcome or stay a little motivated, we had a teacher that believed in us at some point. We had an educator because we spend half of our life from age 5 to 18 
in an educational space. And so when we don't put the credit there and put focus there and appreciate there and help there and, you know, connect in that education space, a lot is missed. And to be honest with you, when we look at the world around us, I'm going to tell you, when I turned on my television on Wednesday, the first thing that came to my mind, because every day I wake up at the moment, I currently teach um, 15 third graders online, and it's a beautiful thing. And I tell them we were having a third grade business meeting. They're the third grade CEOs. I'm just their expert consultant. That's the best, That's how we started our space, right? And so when I got off the line and saw what was happening, I thought to myself, who did not give them a proper education? And it wasn't about the content. It was about the connectivity. What teacher felt them? Because when you plant seeds of connectivity, seeds of love, seeds of understanding in the content, seeds of acceptance, how do you connect with one another? How do you have this student respond to this content? And if it triggers something, you have an honest conversation about it. How do you get kids to have conflict resolution without being violent? How do you teach nonviolent communication? You know, how do you teach accountability and ownership? Um, those are things that we learn in the education space. And I think that if we work hard to, one, put it back in, um, we're going to get more out of it. But when you talk about, you ask me as an educator, coming from being a professional athlete, loving our young people, knowing that they truly are our future, um, definitely show appreciation monetarily to people who wake up every day and pour love and understanding into our children. Definitely weed out those who should not be there. And I believe that in any space of service, no matter what it's in, whether it's in the police department, whether it's in education, whether it's in fire department, people who are not serving the public in public service properly should all be removed, and we really have to pour into those spaces um, financially as well as socially, emotionally, so we can see better in the world. And until we do that, it is going to be hard to, you know, get each other to understand one another if we're not being taught that early on. When we're kind of forced to before we get to turn 18 and say, hey, I'm just going to do this because I can now. Yeah, and indeed. I mean, it's nothing like, you know, positivity in the world. We definitely need it, definitely, definitely need it right now. And definitely a great job you're doing is being an educator and shaping the young minds of America. And speaking speaking of America and the world, what we've gone through recently has just been really a dumpster fire with uh, uh, social injustices with uh, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Jacob Blake and um, all the stuff that's going on in the Capitol has just really been so insane. We're, we're divided in our world, you know, from um, racially, uh, politically, socially, financially. We're just there's really been a big schism in our world right now, and then politically, it's just been really terrible. You've really been at the forefront in terms of uh, calling upon and making a voice for racial and social injustices um, during and you know for during and for future. Olympic and Paralympic Games, I mean, just kind of um, tell the listeners out there, you can tell and tell me just kind of like what your stance is on all of this right now. We've seen, um, we saw what's happened in Olympic Games, of course, with Mexico City in 68, and um, everything is really coming back around full circle, and uh, we've seen it as recent it's been brutal it's it's been horrible we we've, we've never really been united we we continue to be divided in so many different ways so what's your platform in terms of ad- addressing uh, racial and social injustices 
Well, I believe that one sports unites, and when they when there is division, where can we go to a space where there's unity? And sports has the opportunity to do that, and that's one of the reasons why I definitely wanted to take charge and you know do and show up in a space where I could. But prior to that, when it came to the Olympic Games, you know, having my college degrees and reading um, the rule rule fifty, you know, I couldn't I couldn't sit in a position of leadership. Um, at the United States Olympic Committee on the Athlete Advisory Council and not take up that language um, that USA Track and Field athlete um, Gwen Berry had been punished about, um, you know, putting her fist up and, and knowing that that's something that she felt in her spirit that offends no one. It's a, it's a form of unity um, and a symbol of that. Um, but to know that, you know, the rule in itself isolated U.S. athletes by saying that we couldn't kneel or athletes couldn't kneel or saying athletes can put a fist up. And, you know, my biggest thing is out of the 206 nations that compete in a global market, the Olympic and Paralympics, they chose to isolate one nation's gesture of peace to bring awareness to racial injustices. And I just felt that that was egregious. And I felt it po- it pointed out the the black U.S. athletes for no reason. Athletes that bring amazing branding to the market, performance, um, evolution. Think about all the athletes uh, that have represented Team USA in the space of track and field and, and Team USA in and of itself and what we've brought to the games. And I just thought, you know, if they didn't do that for all the other 205 countries and find out what their gestures were for racial injustices and include those, you can't isolate ours, and it just kind of led into a larger conversation because that conversation was had before what we witnessed um, with Mr. Floyd's life. And when that did happen, it sparked a group of U.S. athletes, Paralympic, um, Olympic athletes. And for me, it was just a beautiful space because they did not look like me. And we all got on a document, and we were all talking about if we started on a conversation, then we made a document talking to each other and on a Google Drive just talking about what we couldn't have and what we couldn't tolerate and what we as a team needed to respond and say. And then Team USA heard us talking about it. And, you know, I just thought it was a fine time that we as athletes really speak on, you know, the fact that when we think about the global market and the Olympic Games and the Paralympic Games, we come there, we don't get millions of dollars to show up. When we win those gold medals, I didn't become a millionaire at all. You know, and because we're not begging, begging, begging for dollars, how do you muzzle a voice? And let's not even, no one's even speaking. You know, we have to allow, if the Olympic space and Paralympic space is about unity, about this Olympic spirit and bringing people together in the human spirit, then human rights and civil liberties and respecting that is important. And if athletes want to bring awareness by showing a demonstration or or not speaking and being in a peaceful space of awareness and show that there's a matter that the world needs to maybe take a look at or we just need our own people to hear. There's nothing wrong with that because, it harms, you know, only those who are offended are those who are the persecutors. And, you know, you have to give a voice where people have been marginalized for so long, and now it's the time for that. And I think that I'm proud of Team USA and I think what we saw kind of sparked from conversation, you know, we were able to be heard differently. You know, we all witnessed and saw what we saw. And then we all, again, recently have seen where our country seemingly is divided. But, you know, when I look at our country, I see hurt people. 
I see a country of hurt people that need to heal, and how do we come together and do that? And I know as athletes, we constantly put on Team USA, and when we go out there, we are one team. And every time I think about it, when I turned on the TV and saw what was going on in my country's capital, I thought back about my time I ran in Athens because everybody who was screaming for me didn't necessarily look like me. And we were all screaming USA for me, my African-American black self, and we were all one unit and we were all one country. And that's the patriot. And what I saw was not patriotism. That's not how we've done things. That's not how we do things. Um, And I just want for us as a people um, to represent who we are. And what's great about our country is that we are a mix of amazing, beautiful people. And the depth and the core of our country come from a people who are marginalized, who are brown and black people who are marginalized. And that is where the country began from the natives and indigenous people to all of the African-Americans, African descendants of slaves that have built and bred this country to all the immigrants who have come and brought businesses and built and grown. And we've all come together. We are now all here and we have to learn how do we appreciate that and keep a democracy of law that is fair and is safe in this country first here? Because we have so much to offer the world, and we're so great here that we're a free enterprise country. And the fact that green money moves our country, the thing is we have to learn how to live together as a people in peace in order for us to be successful and have our kids have awesome futures. So that's kind of what, you know, me personally um, took up charge and, you know, felt like it was time for me to use my platform, my degrees, um, to sit and be the chair and hold meetings with experts and really have deep conversation that sometimes was difficult, but we had it. And so we got to a good space, and I just hope the, the world sees that we're trying to lead in a good direction and do something positive. Man, you you said you said a lot. You have said so much, and you uh, said that so eloquently, just about where we are right now as a nation. And one of the one of the things that uh, I just want to put out there, you mentioned about sports being a, the ultimate unifier. Again, we've seen it time and time again, and, and we're currently seeing it in these times right now. We saw what the NBA has done. We've seen what the NFL has done. We've seen uh, what Major League Baseball has done. Everybody's been glued into sports to look for that that common look for that refuge that safe haven and definitely sports has done it and sports will continue to do it and you just hit it so beautifully man this is not how we operate in america you know we're better than that we're better than that and we have to just you know grow we're continuing to grow america's been around for so long and we're still growing as a people we still that's one thing we're still learning through our flaws, through the, the flaws and the mistakes of, of our country. It's still beautiful nonetheless. But, um, man, thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us on the program. And as you mentioned, you are also the chair of uh, Team USA Council on Racial and Social Justice, and you're also a leadership member on the Athletes Advisory Council. And um, just, again, just tell a, 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 uh, all our listeners, the listeners out there in detail what you do in those positions. So currently now, um, at the time, for the past four years, I've served on the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee's Athlete Advisory Council and served for the past two years in a leadership position. So there's six of of us in leadership. We have a chair, and I served as one of the members in leadership um, as an African-American female. And 
So um, I was able to, you know, we had a really diverse committee, which was awesome. And so what we do is we represent the athlete voice. So in that space, um, every single Olympic and winter sports, Paralympic and Olympic winter and summer game sports are represented um, with two athletes. And we come together and talk about the issues of the U.S. athletes, um, all of them. Um, and so it was a beautiful thing to be immersed in a space um, representing a minority group of individual and athletes um, and to really have earnest conversation and to learn that the Team USA athlete, when we talk about Team USA, we are connected and we are committed. And the one thing that I learned about the athletes is that we may not all agree with each other about things, but we all respect each other's decision and stand by each other, no matter what. That was the most beautiful thing I've seen, and I learned that by being the chair of the council. Um, so when Team USA decided to um, have the discussions with us and ask us what we wanted and what we needed, I had a personal conversation with our CEO, Sarah Hirschland, and I commend her leadership and her strength as a woman to lead, um, even when it seemed like it may not look like the popular thing. Um, because as you said, the NBA and the NFL, you know, they it's what's right. And so I thought it was important that as Team USA athletes representing all sports, that we take up the matter and we listen to athletes' voice and they heard us. So they created a council that has been athlete-led, um, and I am the chair of the council, and it's led by athletes. And the council, we've broken up into four different steering committees. The first one was taking up the protests and demonstrations and dealing with Rule 50. We've now transitioned. Um, earlier today, I was preparing for our Zoom call um, because we're about to start the second bucket, which is athlete voice and advocacy, and really dive into Team USA athletes, what athlete voice and advocacy looks like, really at the depths of sport in America, you know, at the NCAA level, at the youth level, you know, how do we protect athlete rights and athlete voice and, you know, really hear them and allow the athlete to lead because the U.S. athlete, that's great, or the U.S. athlete that gets out there and, and commits is not just an athlete. There's a person with a story and a journey that we can all learn from in the Olympic and Paralympic space. And so the other two buckets were um, institutional change, um, looking at the USOPC within itself and the Paralympic movement within itself in-house and how we need to be better, and all of the NGBs and governing bodies and how they can be better. And then the last one was really tackling racism and discrimination that's happening in fields of play, happening within, um, you know, officials. So we can really you know, be leaders and be thought in leaders and innovators and in how we can be better as a country and as a nation, particularly um, so we can be a better example before we kind of, you know, put our thoughts on other people. You know, let's really kind of start taking care of home. And I thought, you know, this council was a good space that the athletes can take charge of our, our space and maybe lead um, our country and our people in a conversation about how we can best as a nation. That is awesome. Uh, one, one thing, one more thing I wanted to point out. You mentioned that, you know, for so long um, America has cared about one color, and that's green. And we know that um, America has been for so long a capitalistic society. Do you think capitalism has really hurt America, or has it really helped it? And if it has hurt, what do you think would solutions be to take down this giant called capitalism? You know what? I think I love the beauty of free enterprise. I love the idea that I can come up with an idea, start selling it, and become a billionaire. I love that. I wouldn't change that. Where we've missed the mark is we have not respected that the green dollar goes in all kind of colors, hands. All kind of colors in America spend the green dollar. And when you lack diversity and you lack inclusion, 
you lack growth in revenue for, for that reason. And that's what's been missed. So whenever you have any racism, wherever there's microaggression, wherever you lack diversity, wherever you don't include the black man, the black woman, the Latino man, the Latino woman, the uh, Asian male, Asian woman, in a world of like America as the way we are set up, you are really not going to increase the ceiling. You're keeping your bottom line right where it is. You're going to probably stay more in the red. And I say that because when we look at expenditure, um, particularly in the United States, and, you know, this is just fact, um, black Americans, and we should be making more. We don't. We should. But even in what we make, we make the least and we still spend the most. And I say this to a lot of companies when I don't receive quality customer service, because if you respected if people would call themselves patriots and respected the capitalist free enterprise opportunities that we have, you would respect everybody who walks into your store. You would respect everyone who comes in and looks at your product or goes online, and you will offer them wonderful customer service to get what they spend, which is green money, and that's what is missed. That's what's missed in the opportunity of a free enterprise country, the lack of inclusion, the lack of diversity, the lack of acceptance, the, the bigotry, the microaggression, making people feel set aside. People will spend what they feel included, include, if nothing else, because we are a free enterprise country. So, you know, that's, that's my response to that because I know that's what it is. <laughs> that's what you see, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. You you hit it right. You hit it right on the mark right there. And um, you've heard it from us. She is uh, Mushami Robinson, Olympic gold medalist in the uh, track and field in, from the 2004 Summer Olympics, a member of the 4x400 meter relay team, and doing amazing things, not just in athletics, but even more importantly, doing her thing in the world of education and also for in, in the fight for social and racial justice. Now, uh, Mushami, thank you again. Before we let you go, where can they find you on social media? And if you have a website, let them know that as well. So on Instagram, uh, my Instagram and Twitter handle is at Miss MS Mushami, my first name. And um, I'm on Facebook, but I think that's probably a maxed out feature. Um, but I, on my social media, I'm going to be more um, more vocal, and there's a website that we're going to put together, and it's to it's for my fundraiser for the nonprofit I'm building for um, our high school students, age 13 to 17. Um, the reason I'm coming back to race, um, I'm trying to create a space in every school district where our young people can come um, and have that conversation. And so, you know, there will be a website up, and they can just go to either one of those very soon. Within the actual week, I just had a meeting about it on Sunday that I'm excited that we've finally um, got people who um who I finally shared this space with. I kind of kept it a little private, you know, because it means so much. But um, the one thing I do know is one million starts with one. So I took my one self and shared this idea. And, you know, I, I would be blessed um, if the world would love to bless what I'm trying to do for our young people here in the United States and hopefully globally, if that's possible. So um, at Ms. Moshami is where they can find me and just be on the lookout for uh, the website and the page where you can get involved um, with the nonprofit and help bring it to fruition. This was really beautiful. This was very insightful. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be with us on the program. Thank and if you. ever you want to come back on, you're welcome. If you've ever you want to come back on, uh, just feel free to let us know. Oh, I would love to be back on whenever you want me to. Reach out. I'm there. You see how you got me. Um, I show up. I show up for good people. I show up for people. 
um, because I believe that that's when the universe calls for me I'm there. And so just thank you for the opportunity to share and uh, particularly to tell people how they can become an Olympian. I think that was a, I wasn't expecting that. So thank you for allowing me to be that detailed um, for people who have a dream to know that it is possible and there is a way to go about it. Um, so believe and go after it. Thank you again. You're welcome. Any Anytime I thank you again for uh, coming out of uh, appearing on the program. Normally, I uh, always end the show, but I'll let you end the show. Any words of encouragement or any advice or anything you would like to tell the listeners out there, the floor is yours. You know what? I would just like to let everyone know that when they come across things in their life that they would call adversity, just know that's the time that whoever you believe in of a higher source within yourself is when they like to prove themselves great. We are all created to be limitless. And on the other side of fear is your greatness. So just step into it. It'll be great. Thank you. Hey, you're welcome. Thank you once again. And you heard it from her. She's a Mushami Robinson. She says, go out and be great. And that's what we do. We go out and be great. Thank you again. Now through January 6th, join a clean and spacious Planet Fitness for zero enrollment and only $10 a month. With tons of equipment and free fitness training, it's the perfect place for everybody to work out. Even me? Mister, I'm so stressed I grind my teeth more than most people grind coffee. Especially you. Give your anxiety-clenched jaw a rest. My molars will be so happy. Start feeling spectacular today. Join in-club or at planetfitness.com. Zero enrollment, $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends January 6th. D-Club for details. You never want to put all your eggs in one basket. But what if that basket is really, really big? With Albertsons for You, you get a huge basket. Big enough for personalized deals on things you like to buy and even a free treat on your birthday. You can earn rewards on nearly all purchases and redeem them for things like free groceries and discounts on gas. So go ahead and put all your eggs in one basket. Become a free Albertsons for You member today. No purchase necessary. Download the Albertsons Deals and Delivery app and feed your joy. Visit albertsons.com slash for you for program details. You could bring home the bacon, but why stop there? When you shop with Jewel Osco for you, you can bring home the entire breakfast. The bacon, the eggs, the pancakes, and more. You can bring home great rewards, personalized deals, and points to redeem on groceries. You can even bring home a free treat on your birthday. Sounds like we're going to need a bigger frying pan. Become a free Jewel Osco for you member today. No purchase necessary. Download the Jewel Osco deals and delivery app and feed your joy. Visit jewelosco.com slash for you for program details. They said it could be some kind of food allergy. My muscles ached. I was tired all the time. It happened like that, a full-blown asthma attack. It was scary. The unsettling thing about some symptoms is... A fever, headaches. I have these red, itchy welts. You don't always know what's causing them. It was Lyme disease from a tick bite. I had West Nile virus from a mosquito. A reaction triggered by cockroach allergens. Bed bugs. Threats to your health can come from the most unexpected places. Mosquitoes can transmit West Nile virus and also Zika virus. Ticks can carry Lyme disease and Rocky Mountain spotted fever. And allergens from cockroaches can trigger asthma attacks, leading to respiratory distress. Don't wait until you or someone you love is suffering with unexplained symptoms. Get the facts you need to protect your family. Visit PestWorld.org. Now through January 6th, 
Join a clean and spacious Planet Fitness for zero enrollment and only $10 a month. With tons of equipment and free fitness training, it's the perfect place for everybody to work out. Even me, mister, I'm so stressed I grind my teeth more than most people grind coffee. Especially you. Give your anxiety clenched jaw a rest. My molars will be so happy. Start feeling spectacular today. Join in club or at planetfitness.com. Zero enrollment, $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends January 6th. See club for details. Screaming on Peacock. It's the girl's trip of a lifetime. Look at this water. We're going to give him something to talk about. Seven iconic housewives from four different cities. Oh, my God, a thing right Vacation at Turks and Caicos. It's a party now. And there's no party like a housewives party. I don't give a f- You're not a girl's girl. Why would you say that? Find out what happens when the forecast brings sunshine and a whole lot of shade. You are so self-absorbed. It's crazy. The Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip. All episodes streaming now. Only on Peacock. Seven iconic housewives from four different cities. Look at this water. We're going to give them something to talk about. Vacation at Turks and Caicos. It's a party now. The Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip. All episodes streaming now. Only on Peacock. (laughs) The only thing better than grinding all night for your side hustle is your roommate picking you up with Mickey D's breakfast. The perfect pickup deal. There's a deal for every morning at McDonald's. Now enjoy a hot and spicy McChicken biscuit or sausage biscuit with hash browns for just $2. Price and participation may vary, cannot be combined with any other offer or combo. That's going to do it for this best of edition of The Robinson Show. On behalf of everyone at The Robinson Show, I would like to wish you and yours a very happy, safe, a blessed, and a prosperous Happy New Year and a, a awesome, an awesome 2022 and ever, whatever you want to do in life. Again, blessings to you and yours and have a safe and very happy New Year. And as always, remember, put God first in everything you do and you can't go wrong. Until next time, stick to the script. I'm out. Peace. Get 30% shorter average wait time. When you buy and book your appointment at DiscountTire.com, you can get 30% shorter average wait time in the store. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Is Whataburger's Honey Barbecue Chicken Strip Sandwich a work of art? The three chicken strips covered in melted Monterey Jack cheese are a study in contrasts and surprise. And the honey barbecue sauce, while at first unexpected, becomes a sweet delight to the senses. Plus, there's the two thick slices of Texas toast, that are the canvas for this tasteful creation. And you can eat it. How about that for a masterpiece you can really bite into? The Honey Barbecue Chicken Strip Sandwich at Whataburger. Just like you like it. Now through January 6th, join a clean and spacious Planet Fitness for zero enrollment and only $10 a month. With tons of equipment and free fitness training, it's the perfect place for everybody to work out. Even me, mister, I'm so stressed I grind my teeth more than most people grind coffee. Especially you. Give your anxiety clenched jaw a rest. My molars will be so happy. Start feeling spectacular today. Join in club or at planetfitness.com. Zero enrollment, $10 a month, cancel anytime. Deal ends January 6th. See club for details.